Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. John 8. Uh, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, If I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. And you, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge yourself according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about my, myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, Where is your father? Jesus answered. You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for uh, this time and for, for gathering us um, in person and for anyone who may be watching online as well. Um, I pray that you just quiet our hearts um, to receive your word as you speak through Dan. Um, open our hearts and our ears to hear um, what it truly means to be um, waiting for you, Lord, and what it means to, to walk in you, walk with you and alongside you in the season. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, God. Perfect. All right. Call me basic, but I'm a pretty big fan of the director Christopher Nolan. Uh, Even though I don't watch as many movies as I used to or keep track of the latest blockbusters, uh, when I hear that Christopher Nolan is producing a new film and is directing it, uh, I generally keep an eye out for it uh, and listen to audience reviews or even just spend a weekend nerding out after I finally do watch said movie. Uh, I highlight nerding out because if you don't know, Christopher Nolan is uh, pretty famous for directing mind-bending science fiction films, uh, where at the end of the movie, you are left feeling like, whoa, what just happened? Uh, And uh, in that light, in his most recent movie, Tenet, Uh, That was one common response that everyone had at the end of the film. Everyone, especially if you went to the theaters, left thinking, whoa, what just happened? Uh, Except this time, it wasn't just because of the mind-bending story. It was actually because they could not literally hear what was being said throughout the entire movie. Um, you could blame it on, uh, on many things. Some people blame it on the fact that it was during the pandemic. There was no way to actually check the sound against different speakers to see if it'll come out clearly. Um, some people would argue, no, this is intentional because Christopher Nolan is just this kind of guy and does it this way. You know, you could be a defender. You could be someone that throws hate against him as a director or the movie as a whole. But at the end of the day, whether or not... Uh, Whether or not you like him or not, when you walked out of that movie and there were no subtitles on the screen, you probably had no idea what was going on. You were completely lost 
and left in the dark, especially when the explosions happened, especially when the plot twists came out, uh, you had no idea what was going on. And so even if you had the most well-thought-out script, even if the actors could execute that script perfectly, uh, the reality is, if the, as the audience, you cannot hear it, if you cannot hear the words that are spoken, you are, figuratively speaking, left in the dark. You know, I bring this up uh, not just because we want to talk shop about audio engineering, uh, and the Apostle John is not in the business of science fiction, but he is in the business of helping us know and understand the script of God's work in this world. See, actually, throughout all of John's gospel and even in his letters, this, these themes of light and darkness is often used. Uh, and, and this morning here, as we see Jesus as the light of the world, it is the center point for us this morning. And for us, as people hearing this word, we are not just passive audience members strung along for the ride. We are invited as participants of God's overarching plan of redemption that centers around this Jesus, the light of the world. So as we gather this morning on the second week of Advent, we can catch another glimpse of why this Jesus is, in fact, worth waiting for, because he will return again soon enough. Um, to unpack this I am statement, this statement where Jesus says, I am the light of the world, I'm going to look at it in two points. First, uh, shining in the darkness, and then secondly, following the light. As we enter into John's text, uh, we're actually dropped in mid-conversation. This is a continuation of Jesus' interactions uh, with the religious leaders as he teaches in the temple, and they are reaching the end of what is called the Feast of Booths. Uh, think of it this way. This is a week-long celebration where the people of God made a pilgrimage to the temple. They came from all around where they were, and they slept in booths, these tents, uh, to remember their history. Uh, from the beginning of their nation, for 40 years, God led the people of Israel in the wilderness, following a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so in this Feast of Booths, they would celebrate day and night. And on the last night, there was an even greater party where in the city center, they would light up these candles and the community would sing and dance within the light of the candles. Imagine as you are sitting in the crowd singing Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Hearing the words of Psalm 19, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Imagine remembering and recounting the prophecies from the prophets that declare the Lord's servant will be the light to the Gentiles. And it is in that setting where Jesus, the one from Galilee, declares, I am the light of the world. You can see why there is so much tension between Jesus and the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Jesus here is making a claim that he is equal to God, and thus, as we look at the rest of this passage, the conversation immediately shifts, uh, not uh, talking about Jesus' declaration, but whether or not his testimony is actually true. That is what is happening from verses 13 through 20. 
But even in this interaction, even as the religious leaders kind of pivot to the left and try to question why Jesus can make such a claim, here we can catch a glimpse of what Jesus means when he says he is the light of the world. First, as light of the world, Jesus helps us see the truth. There's a bit of irony in this exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees, these religious leaders. Because at first glance, these uh, Pharisees would, were following what was seemingly biblical, even procedures given by God. Jesus even acknowledges this in verse 17 where he says, In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true, uh, which refers back to Deuteronomy chapter 19. Yet the irony is this, though uh, the religious leaders uh, knew the law, they were seriously misguided. They might know the law enough to quote this rule, yet they did not know that the one prophesied through all the scriptures was sitting in front of them, in front of their faces. Though they knew the facts, they did not see the connections between God the Father and Jesus, the one who was sent by the Father, as it says in verse 19. Jesus was revealing the truth, and they were missing it right in front of their faces. They were blind to the story of what God was doing in this world. Just as Jesus reveals the truth as light of the world, he also exposes what hides in the darkness. To press in a little bit further about these religious leaders, though they knew the scriptures, they were not shaped by scripture. They could quote the law like it was their job, because it was their job. Yet, when the Son of God healed the sick and fed the hungry, they were blinded by their own pride. Jesus kind of calls them out according to this in verse 15. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Despite their outward appearances, Jesus shines light into the darkness of their heart. And as Jesus, the light of the world, reveals who God is and what he is doing, and as Jesus shines light into the darkness, here's where that matters to us today. First and foremost, Jesus reveals God's truth to us, even now. I do want to take a step back to recognize that God chose to reveal himself to us through thousands of years of history, from the cultural context of the ancient Near East, all the way through the first century of the Greco-Roman lens. God made timeless truth known through these very cultured experiences, some cultures that are very different from our own. And so as we are here this morning reading and learning from this truth, this scripture that he has given us, may we come with humility to recognize that our vantage points this morning might be limited. Our perspective on life may be flawed. Jesus reveals God's truth through us through his word. But secondly, Jesus' light exposes what hides in the darkness. As God reveals himself through the scripture, we could take this, can we take this season of Advent, the season of waiting, to intentionally slow down and reflect on our priorities? Jesus says in verse 12, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And when we read that, we might 
be quick to jump to this stereotypical villain where they have the maniacal laugh and the lightning flashes in the background. That might be what we might think when we think of those walking in the dark. Yet in reality, we can experience a mental darkness where our life is bombarded by busy schedules, due dates, trips, responsibilities, and everything that is happening in our lives become a jumbled noise that muffles out the story of God's redemption and our part in that story. In today's setting, where time and attention are probably one of the most valuable resources that we have, can we slow down and assess and reprioritize how we spend it? Can we think about how we can, instead of just going passively through the flow of the day, reflect and see what God is doing in this world and how we can participate in our communities uh, and within our families and within our social circles at large? Darkness might mean the busyness of life that blinds us to the eternal perspective of life. Yet, when we say that Jesus shines in the darkness, it means that we can't hide the worst part of ourselves. Though we live in a setting where we can put, uh, where we often feel like we need to put our best foot forward, where we shy away from vulnerability and sharing our failures, Jesus pushes past our outward appearances and peers into our hearts. And so we need to do business with our whole selves as well. We might be able to pass by, appear that everything is good on the surface to everyone we meet in our own compartmentalized settings, but knowing that Jesus, the, the one who shines into the depths of our hearts, we need to do business with the reality of our own sin and our own brokenness as well. Jesus shines into darkness. Darkness of busyness, the darkness of our own hearts, but also another darkness that may have a hold on our lives. Jesus shines in also to the reality of our own suffering. You know, in this section of John's gospel, as we focus on whether or not Jesus' testimony is legitimate, you see that the bottom line that the religious leaders are asking is, how do I know that what you're saying is true? For them, uh, they had their own answer and their own reasoning for believing it. But for us, maybe that's a question that we ask as well. Maybe some of you here this morning are beaten down by life. Maybe you're suffering unexpected loss. Or maybe you have been sinned against in a way uh, that makes you want to question God. In the midst of that darkness, which might feel like it grips us, Jesus welcomes us welcomes us to ask these questions and invites us to wrestle through those questions with him as we follow him uh, as the light of life. When Jesus calls us to follow him as the light of life, he is not stringing us along with empty promises. He's not saying, just, just trust me, I, don't worry about it, you'll figure it out soon enough. Jesus is not stringing us along on these empty promises. And the Apostle John kind of hints at the reality of this through verse 20, where at the end of this interaction, he says, these words he spoke in the treasury, Jesus, 
spoke in the treasury, as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour has not yet come. Jesus is, in fact, trustworthy to follow as the light of life because when that hour finally arrived, Jesus brought to light the true reality of God's plan of salvation, and it was salvation through his own suffering. You see, Jesus willingly endured being arrested, unjustly accused, and ultimately crucified on the cross. And as he rose again three days later, Jesus accomplished God's plan of salvation. Jesus is not saying, trust me, it'll work out. Jesus is saying, I'm going to do what it takes to work it out. Jesus, as light of the world, not only exposes the darkness, but defeats it through the cross where he defeated sin, Satan, and death once and for all. And here's why that matters. You see, Jesus' work on the cross is the difference between uh, what rock climbers would call free soloing and lead climbing. You see, these are two different ways that people approach climbing up a, a mountainside or a cliff. You see, in free soloing, you might ascend up uh, without any rope or support. Right? They're just climbing up just themselves. Maybe they have a bag of chalk so that their hands can have grip, but they are climbing up with nothing, with no supports. Uh, and if you've ever watched someone do that, it is inspiring because by their own strength and skill, they've accomplished a great feat. They ascended that height on their own. And while that is amazing and is inspiring, at the end of the day, you can look at that and it will have no bearing on whether or not you can climb that mountainside as well. You might be able to pick up some tips as you watch them scale that mountain, but scaling that mountain is solely up to you when it comes to free soloing. Yet on the other hand, we have lead climbing. Similarly, there is no rope ahead of them, and so this lead climber scales the mountain with, uh, with only their hands and the chalk bag that they may have, but they also, along the way, carry the rope. And as they ascend, they create the anchor points necessary for those who follow to latch onto. And so lead climbers not only accomplish this feat of climbing up a mountain on their own with their own strength, they lead the way so that others can follow. Jesus is trustworthy not only because he shows us what God's plan is as the light of the world, not just because he accomplishes the impossible task of defeating darkness, but because at the end of the day, he not only accomplishes the task of defeating darkness, but he leads us out of it as well into the light of true life with God in heaven. That is the pathway that Jesus set before us as the lead climber. And by faith, we have been given access to that path. By faith, we have hope in a time where it feels like people can get away with evil. No darkness can escape the light of King Jesus, who will return as judge of all. By faith, we have hope that Jesus fully paid the price for even our most deepest and hidden sins. And by faith, we have hope that Jesus is leading us to our heavenly home, where we can find perfect peace and rest. That is why we are waiting for this God who will bring it to reality.
How does that help us now? In this season of waiting, by trusting in Jesus, the one who leads the way, the, one, the light who shines our path, it gives us freedom from needing to control every little detail of our lives. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of a season of darkness, even then we can have hope that even though we don't know the way, even though we don't have all of the answers, we are following a God who does know the way, the God who has the answers, and who is at work for our ultimate good. We can be free from needing to control every little, every little detail of our lives. Secondly, it gives us freedom to be vulnerable. We no longer have to hide our failures because knowing the fact that Jesus has paid for it all on the cross, there is no more shame to be had. When we have complete forgiveness before the eyes of God, the creator and sustainer of the earth, the light of this world, we are free to be vulnerable with one another. And lastly, it gives us freedom to participate. By our own character, by pursuing the light, by our own humility and willingness to learn, we can follow Jesus, the light of the world, so that our neighbors and those around us can see and know for themselves this Jesus. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for revealing your truth, for shining into the darkness of this world by showing us, God, ultimately your plan of redemption. I pray that as we trust in your work, that you have paid the price in full on the cross. Draw us to the light. Help us turn away from uh, the various darkness. Help us wrestle when uh, we are in seasons of difficulty. Help us to see that you are good and pursue you day in and day out. In your name we pray. Amen.